Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray as you listen, God would meet you and speak to you in a personal way. Here's this week's message from Pastor Corey. You ready to do this together? All right, yes. Love it. You guys are way more enthusiastic than the first bunch. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, so we've been journeying through... Uh, heroes of the Bible, men and women of God who have done great things for his kingdom. And, and I really wrestled a little bit with choosing Zacchaeus because he starts off as a bit of a villain, right? He's not a very good guy. Nobody likes him. And uh, I even had someone come and ask me when they heard I was talking about, like, like Zacchaeus is only nine verses. Can you really speak, you know, for, for half an hour, 40 minutes on nine verses? And it's like, that's a really good question. But, but you know, I've been amazed at at what God has drawn out of the life of Zacchaeus. And so we're going we're gonna to go through each, each of the nine verses. We're going to draw out a bunch of different things that uh, I believe that, that really just relate to different parts of our life. And then I'm going to finish with just one point, all right? Because I think it's really just that simple. And so let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you've been doing already in this house. This is your house. And we want you to know that we're excited to be with you and And God, we just want to honor you and glorify you. And I just pray that I do that well in all the things that I say and do. And and God, like all of life is really so much of a choice. And we have the choice whether or not we're only going to show up here, but we're going to allow you to move in our hearts and our minds. And so, yeah, Father, for those of us willing right now, we just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I give you room to work in me this morning. Yeah, amen. Right on. Did you ever feel a little dissatisfied with life? Ha <laughs> ha. That's a big question, eh? Depending on the season that you're in, it might not even be just dissatisfied. If we're honest with ourselves, there, there's times in life that just feel kind of disappointing, don't they? You know, there's things that we invest ourselves in, we give ourselves to, sometimes relationships. Sometimes it's physical things, it's different for all of us, but, but we have expectations and we have hopes and sometimes it just doesn't measure up, right? And I've been wrestling through a bit of se- that season in, in my own life, you know, and, and, and praise God, I, I'm so thankful. I'm in a good season with my family and in my relationship with my wife, Corey, and I'm, I'm so blessed in that area, but there's some, some physical things that, that I, I just recognizing I've put too much hope in. And I'm struggling with some disappointment, right? So maybe you can read a little bit that, that's morning. And, and so I want to kind of connect the dots. So I'm going to leave that thought over there and we're going to dive into the story of Zacchaeus and, and then we're going to circle back around maybe and address what does a person do when it feels like there's disappointments in your life and they're just not going away in a hurry. So we begin in verse 1 and, and, and Luke the writer of this, and we're going to look at Luke 19. I think it'll be on, on the screen, but I also encourage you as we're going to go verse by verse, you know, maybe grab it on your phone or if you have your Bible here. And we're going to look at the first character that Luke introduces to us in the story of Zacchaeus. And that first character is Jesus. And verse 1 begins like this. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Yeah. <laughs> you getting fired up? <laughs> Me too. So just a little bit of backstory. This is the sort of a pivotal time in Jesus' ministry in his life. 
where, where his popularity is really growing to an all-time high. There are, there are crowd after crowd, every city that he goes into, every town that he goes into, there's crowds hearing about this man. And, and is he a prophet? Is he really the son of God? Has he come to set our nation free? All of these questions. And with that, so many needs. Jesus, give me this. Jesus, do this for me, right? And so, so he's surrounded by people at the height of his popularity. The other thing in regards to Jesus' journey entering Jericho is that it's nearing the end of his ministry. And from Jericho, he would make that, that journey to Jerusalem and make that triumphal entry where, where everyone would be sort of worshiping and praising with the expectation that here would be our next king, right? And so that's where we find Jesus living almost, especially as you read the words and, and see his actions from this point forward, they have a sense of greater urgency because he knows that his days are numbered. And, and so it's with no mistake, too, as this connects the dots for the story, that, that he enters Jericho. And, and Jericho was, was, a, was an extremely beautiful city, right? Rulers of the time had poured lots of money and effort to make it this attractive place. And what helped with that was, was that Jericho, part of the, the, the Roman Empire at that time, it was one of the biggest and busiest trade routes, meaning there was so much commerce and, and so much money changing hands. And, and, and because of the, the amount of finances that were coming through there, there was high taxes. So if you were a tax collector, this is where you wanted to be because you could get rich. And so that sets that part of that foundation of the story. Second character. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. And he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Do you ever wonder if someone were to describe you, what they would say about you? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they would say things like good-looking or talented or fun to be around or funny, right? All those great things that, that, that we sort of would hope that people would say about us, right? It was interesting. I was, I was talking to, uh, to someone from church a, a week ago and um, previous in that day, I, earlier in that day, I had done a, performed a wedding for a couple at another church. And, uh, and someone from that church was talking to this guy from our church. And he was saying, hey, I think one of your guys did, did a wedding. And, and the person from our church said, well, what did they look like? Well, they had a beard. And it's like, cool, people think it's a beard. That's good, right? We try hard, guys, sometimes, right? But sometimes people wonder what's going on over there, right? That's good. That's a good start. And then they said he kind of had spiky hair or something like that. I wouldn't say spiky, but the fact that he noticed I, I, I work hard at this, you know, I was like, that's a compliment, you know. I feel like we're two for two here. And, and then and the third thing he said to describe me, and he was very small. <laughs> it's, <like>, Come on. <laughs> it's like, it felt like high school. <laughs> that's so big. <laughs> right? And, and so Luke gives us a description uh, of, of what he saw in Zacchaeus. And, and, and this is important because it, it's very telling to, to how people viewed this man, right? And, and so the first thing we learn is a chief tax collector. That means he would have been the head of tax collectors in the region for, for the Roman government. And as I mentioned, Jericho is a very rich and, and lucrative uh, city. And the second thing that Luke tells us, you know, is, is that he was wealthy. And, and because of 
especially how he gained his wealth and who he worked for, this was not a popular man among the Jewish people, right? He would have been disliked and, and even hated because the, the way a tax collector makes their money is, is they'll collect taxes for the Roman government and then their portion was actually something they could take over and above a cut that they determined. And so if they felt extra greedy or extra poor that day, they could take more, right? And all of this sort of comes together where, 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 where people did not like tax collectors because they are often dishonest and, and crooked, right? And, and in this case, he was a man who turned his back on his Jewish brothers and sisters. And of course, as we know, and as I just read, the next thing that Luke says is that he's short, right? And my first thought is, come on, Luke, is like, is that necessary? You know, like, why point that out, you know? But as we read a little further, we rec- begin to recognize this is actually um, instrumental in, in the story and the actions and actually very telling about this man, Zacchaeus. But we'll get to that. But before I do another interesting fact that the Bible doesn't tell us, but as you do a little bit of digging, is what Zacchaeus' name actually means. And, and it actually means to be righteous or innocent. And yet the view, Jews would have viewed him as being guilty as a traitor and a crook. And, and I don't know about you parents, parent, parents here, right? I don't know about you. We thought really hard about the names that we were going to give our children, right? Because we want our, our, our names to represent good things. And, you know, is there any biblical context? Because we, we want our names to sort of represent the, the greatness that we believe our children will all kind of enter into, right? And, and I wonder if, if his mother had any idea whom her son would would turn out to be, that he would choose to live in in direct opposition of what his name actually meant. And I wonder this morning if if Zacchaeus was just a a really sad example of who we become and and how we can so easily lose our identity when we choose to follow our selfish ambitions. And that got me to thinking about my life and how I've lived my life. And it, it gets me thinking about how you're living your life. And, and is it possible that, that we're living lives that are well below our God-given calling and identity? Right? And sometimes I wonder, because I, I, I wonder as, as I think about the amount of fear and anxiety and brokenness that just seems to be growing in our society, I wonder if there's a connection as we try and live a life and make a life by our own standards that li- maybe lives in contrast to the, to the calling, the spiritual calling that God has put on us. And it's that broken sense of identity that, that's leading us to maybe be so fractured in our souls. But the good news, and if you know the story, there's good news. The same God that is called Zacchaeus back to him is the same God that's calling out to us this morning. And, and I wonder, guys, I wonder how many of us are here this morning that maybe we are just one response away from beginning to see Jesus and see life in a whole new way. I wonder if we're one response away from, from some of those fears and anxieties and the things that we're struggling with and feel so hopeless in to, to seeing a new perspective and a new hope come flooding into our life. Yeah, thank you. 
Because I think for so many of us, there's a glorious future that, that has been ordained, but that's being hidden away. That God would just love to reveal and say, this is actually who you are. This is your identity. This is who I've called you to be. And, and come and step back into that life. And the fourth thing that, that Luke tells us that he wants us to see is that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And so how did he do that? And this is the, the short part's very important, right? Because so, so he was short. So what did he do? He ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree in verse 4 since Jesus was coming his way. And I used to like glance over that. Okay, yeah, he, he climbed a tree and Jesus saw him. The story's over, right? But man, there's so much. Because I, I think that, that this... Not only tells us what he did, but it gives us a glimpse into not only the character of his past, but even in this, this interaction with Jesus that was coming, the, the, the new character traits that he was beginning to walk into. And I think that the, the first thing that, that this reveals to us is that Zacchaeus was experiencing a moment of humility. Because here we have, like, okay, he was hated, of course, but he was still a wealthy, influential, high-standing person in the Roman government. This was a person of influence. The last time I checked, our government leaders haven't been climbing trees, right? Did you see that? Anyone on their Instagram feed who follows politics? I'm just like, no, it's not, no, right? And why not? Because that's not dignified for someone of high stature, right? But, but I'm thinking in this moment, for everything that he was and everything that he tried to be, there is something transforming his heart and mind that says, I don't actually care what people think for the right reason this time that sent him up that tree. And I love what a reminder that it's not your social standing or what you've achieved or your career or how much money that we have that allows us to see Jesus, that makes us more valuable to him. And what we've been to see in this story, what opens the door for us to experience the call of Christ, experience the transformation of Christ, will always be our willingness to be humble before him. And James chapter 4 verse 8 says it so well. <clears throat> it says this, <clears throat> Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your, du your double-minded Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, I know this doesn't sound very exciting. Okay, I get that, right? There's a lot of hard stuff in here. But, but I'm going to read it to you in the message and see if we can begin to understand that sometimes that road of humility that's, that's difficult and humbling has a, has a greater purpose. And so it says this in the message, quit dabbling in sin, purify your inner life, quit playing the field, hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. And here it is. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way we get on our feet. Right? We sometimes we strive and we toil and we scratch and we try and, go, try and make a living for ourselves and make a life for ourselves. Right? We work so hard and there's so much disappointment and frustration and we work so hard to make life. And what James is saying, just forget about that stuff. Deal with the sin in your life. Get on your knees so the Father may lift you up. Not only that you can walk, but that you can run the life that I have for you. I want to run through my life, Right? 
I just want to stumble. Who wants to stumble? Come on, there's more for us, right? Hey, come on. Amen. This is good stuff, guys. Not condemning stuff. This is a path to freedom. So Zacchaeus humbled himself. First character trait. The second thing that I think this reveals about Zacchaeus is that he was determined and motivated. Here was a man who was used to doing whatever it took to get what he wanted, and he wanted money. And so he disowned his own people for the sake of acquiring wealth. But in this moment, in this moment, we see something different. Do you ever, do you ever guys, experience that the same character trait that, that can be used for evil can actually be used for good? And I, I believe we're beginning to see a transformation of heart that all the things that made up who Zacchaeus was wasn't bad, but the fact that he was using them for selfish motives, and now God was transforming those things and turning those things. And it was that motivation, that the determination that drove him up the tree to see this man, Right? And, and what if, guys, what if the fulfillment that we've heard about for so long, if we've been in church, that fulfillment of life that we're looking for is really only a one-degree shift from becoming a reality? Where we take what's already been given to you, what the Father has instilled in you from before you were born, your gifts, your talents, your passions, your abilities, and we begin to refocus that energy from ourselves and our own pursuits and our own kingdom and recommit them to building the kingdom of God. What if the very step is giving up the things you you think you need the most, but in that process you find life? Because that's what I think we're talking about in this passage. That's what the story of Zacchaeus is all about. It's finding life. Hmm. I love what happens next. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot. What's the spot? He's in a sea of people, a crowd of people. And that spot is seeing a small man up in a tree just trying to see him. And he pushes through the crowds and he pushes through the crowds. To come and find him. And we have to read this verse with enthusiasm, guys, okay? Because I think that's what's happening right here, okay? So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I think he would have shouted because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of noise. I must. It's like, I'd like to. Could I, could I maybe, would you have time to fit me in? No, it's like, I must stay at your house. Do you, do you see the urgency in Jesus connecting with this man. And so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. So Jesus came up to the tree and looked for the very one person, the tax collector, the one person everyone else would love to avoid. And he said, I want to be with you today. I think this is a beautiful moment, guys. This is a beautiful moment for us. It reminds us that that no matter how small we feel, no matter how unnoticed we feel, unwanted we may feel, how broken, how messed up we may feel, that Jesus never loses sight of us in the crowd. And all this time we thought we were searching for God, but the truth is all along God has been searching for you. And even as we sit here, the Holy Spirit is calling out to each one of you in this room, myself included right now, come and find life in me. Come and find life in me. Respond to my call. Stop trying so hard on your own efforts. Let yourself go and come and find life. Can you hear it? 
It's here. He's here this morning, and he's calling. Hmm. And then we introduce the third character, or in this case, characters, in verse 7. And so all the people saw this, and they began to mutter or complain. He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. I don't know about you guys, but everything that I read in the gospel story, even up to that point, there seems to be a pretty clear and consistent message who Jesus came for. But don't we forget, he came for those of us who messed up. He came for those of us who feel unwanted, who feel broken, who feel unworthy, who feel unlovable, who feel like we don't matter. He came for the broken. He came for the sinful. Over and over again, he's just screaming this statement over and over. I came for those who are lost and hurting. And the Jewish people seem to miss it. And I wonder how often we miss it. And I get it. He was a tax collector. Nobody liked him. But, but I wonder if in this case that the grumblings of these people was maybe even another level of personal. In the sense that they knew who he was and quite possibly had he cheated them on their taxes. Had he, had he betrayed them and cheated them out of money right? So it's possible that their experience and their pain was very personal. We know that being treated or betrayed, that that pain is real. And yet should those actions of Zacchaeus be enough to keep Jesus from seeking out people like him, like that, in the crowd, right? Because at the end of the day, when when we read about so many people missed who Jesus was, the reason they missed who Jesus was, they, they, they missed his power, his transforming power, his life, was because they'd hardened their hearts toward others. They'd hardened their hearts toward him. They lived in bitterness and anger. And I recognize that there's probably some of us here today who feel cheated or, or betrayed by, by life, maybe, maybe even think by God himself or by other people and recognizing that, that you're battling with a, with a hardness in your heart right now, that you're struggling with, 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 with that pain of, of betrayal right now. And I get it. But, but we have to come to a point where, 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 where how does what we feel about other people and what's been done to us, how, how do those feelings of anger and, and betrayal and bitterness stand in the light of the gospel story? Right? And, and, and I'm not saying that those aren't painful things. But, 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 but the reality is that, that, that we too, if we have hard hearts, will run the risk of missing who Jesus is. Hebrews 3, 7 says this, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you, today, guys, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he goes on to reference, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Guys, the nation of Israel was so close to receiving the blessings and promises of God. So close to receiving everything that God had promised them when they were back in captivity, freedom and life, right? And, and, and this amazing country to live in and take hold of and raise their families in. They were so close. But what's the one thing that kept them from experiencing the blessings and promises of God? Hardness of heart, right? And because of that, they never found rest. How many of you are looking for rest? Our society is so anxious. And he goes on to say, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
It's the great lie, isn't it? I don't have to forgive. I'm justified in my anger and my resentment. They hurt me, so I'll hurt them, right? Sins, sins, lies, and deceitfulness. I'll never get over this. I'll never forgive. I'll never forget, right? Sin is so deceitful in, in trying, to, trying to lead us in, in, and justify our own actions. And, and well, we do have to get help and, and deal with those, those painful things. I get it, guys. But if we truly want to be free, our hearts have to be free first, Right? And then we receive verse 8. So Jesus calls out to him, comes to the tree, invites him. And look what happens. Look what happens. I'm going to jump down a little bit to an interaction that Jesus had only one chapter earlier. I don't know in the context of days, but it was pretty close, I'm, I'm imagining. And it's an encounter with the, the rich young ruler in Luke 18, 24. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. And there was a lot of like wow factor going on right here when Jesus said those words. And so those who heard it asked, Well, then who then can be saved? Right? And Jesus replied, What is impossible for man is possible with God. What feels impossible in your life today? And how by your human strength are you trying to solve problems that are actually God problems, only problems God can, can enter into and make a change because this was a, a selfish and greedy man who had devoted his whole life to making money. And in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. And what, what, what caused this man to have such a transformation where, the, where, where, where he was consumed and filled by, by greed, and, and it may have been disappointment. I, I don't know what fueled his fire to get there. But in this one single interaction, do you see the chains in Zacchaeus' life were broken because of Jesus Christ? Not anything man did, not anything man or woman or anyone on this planet will ever do to set us free, but because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Come on, if your heart is not singing right now, it's like then open yourself up more. Say, God, what am I missing here? Come on, don't hold back. Hey. In one powerful encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus recognizes his own disparity, his own poverty. Erwin McManus said it like this, you will never have a level of wealth where you still don't look poor to God. Yeah, right? Hmm. And so we see and glimpse in the chapters leading up to this, the, the miraculous power for Jesus to heal bodies and, 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 and people and all of that. But in this one moment, Jesus comes and calls to the heart of someone who appears to maybe have no need for him. He has all the money he'll ever need. And we get deceived sometimes saying, as long as I got enough money, as long as my investments are good, as long as my future is good, for I, that's all I need. And Jesus comes and he calls to this man. And he does something beyond a healing of the outer body. He begins a transformational healing of the heart. And in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. 
So Jesus proclaimed salvation over Zacchaeus, over his household. Jesus called the despised and crooked tax collector out of a tree. He invites him home, calls him into his kingdom, forgives his sins, gives new purpose, gives him eternal life. The great shepherd of humankind has found his lost sheep. Ha! Come on, that's what God does. That's what God does. He finds the lost sheep. Right? He sees the one and he sees you here this morning. If you're lost and forgotten and feeling broken and feel like nobody cares, he sees you here this morning. He says, I will not leave you. Ha! God is so good. See, guys, God is proving over and over, and he proves it in his life that that no matter how you are born, what you don't have, the mistakes you made, the sin in your life, does not determine who you are in the end if you respond to Jesus. Everything gets washed away. And this is what will matter. In John 15, 5, it says this. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, look at this promise, you will bear much fruit. What, what an amazing, amazing moment where, where, where God so transformed this man's life that he was immediately bearing fruit, giving away, blessing others. Be it, it reminds us, the writer reminds us, apart from me, though, you can do nothing. Guys, we have to let that soak in. In all of our trying, in all of our anxiousness, in all of our efforts, apart from God, we can do nothing. We cannot change our lives. We cannot deal with the stuff, the, weir- the, the, the fear, the, the worries, the stuff that's too big for us. In, apart from God, we can do nothing. And he says, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and it withers. And it's thrown in the fire. Do you, do you see, guys, our purpose, our identity, our destiny is so intertwined to the life of Jesus Christ. And I think it begs another question as we look at this verse, what is the fruit that your salvation is revealing about what Jesus has done for you? What fruit is your salvation bearing? We have to ask these questions as a believer because according to this passage, we were born to bear fruit. That at the moment we connect ourselves to Jesus, we see how quickly it happens that we begin to bear fruit. How is the inner miraculous work of Jesus Christ in your life transforming your actions towards other people? And trust me, this is not about condemning anyone here. This is about a pathway to life and purpose. So here it is. What made Zacchaeus a hero? There it is. He responded to Jesus. (laughs) It's almost too simple, isn't it? Isn't it? It feels so simple sometimes and so hard. See, what, what, what connected me or what connected in my mind is the case to all these other biblical heroes that they write whole books on that did great miraculous works and, and all of this stuff. What connected the case to them is, is the same ingredient in his life that caused the transformation was the same ingredient in all of their lives, of everyone that we've talked about. And it was one simple thing. They responded to the call of Jesus. 
They responded to the call of God. They responded to the call of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And they say, God, I give you my life. Nothing is, is, is more worthy. There's no greater calling than following you, Jesus. So I sacrificially give my life to you, to love you, to follow you, to cherish you, to proclaim your name. It's the same ingredient in all of their lives. And it's the same ingredient that makes us heroes in God's kingdom is when we choose to respond to the call of Jesus Christ. <sighs> It's good, guys. So let's not be deceived by the idea that saying yes to Jesus is ever meant to be a one-time event, ever. Salvation, it's pivotal. It changes everything. It's a response to the call of Jesus. But the reality is that was the beginning of saying yes to Jesus. I talked to so many people who would say there's no power in the Christian life. But I really believe that the power in the Christian life comes from making the choice daily to respond to the call of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. And daily when we, when we go through the grind of life, the hard stuff, dealing with our own emotions and feelings and selfishness and all of that stuff, and daily we fight, say, but no, God, today you will be honored. We make choices like that on, on a daily basis. It opens the door for transformation, for God to do things. I believe releasing a power that is so greater than ourselves, not only for us to experience joy in life, but for us to bless others and build his kingdom. All right. Yeah. I got one more verse for you guys, okay? Is everyone doing okay? I, I hope no one's living in offense right now to what I'm saying. This is not about condemning anyone. This is just about a path to freedom. So worship team, you guys can come forward, and I want to read you one last verse. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, guys, because I felt like I needed to give us a picture of what it looked like to daily respond to Jesus. And I think Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, this kind of gives us this snapshot. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed <laughs> the highest calling in the Christian life and, and, and how we respond daily to the, to, to the life uh, that Jesus has called us into just comes through choosing every day to obey. Obey. And then he goes on to say, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Guys, this is not a situation where maybe you were a young child and you were, you were worried that, that, that Jesus would come and you'd be left behind, so you recommitted your life like a hundred times that night. That's not what this is about. It's not about doubting your salvation, right? But this is about recognizing that there's a call to daily respond to Jesus as you did in that first time when salvation came. But it's daily response, our daily response of obedience to Jesus through the hard stuff, through stuff that doesn't make you popular, through, through things that, that you don't even always understand. But you push forward in faith some days. And say, I will strive for obedience. I will seek to follow the Father. And so what does that look like, right? Like for me, I'll be honest with you, in, in the season of, of wrestling that I've been in, and ever sometimes it just feels like you come up against a wall, doesn't it? God, where do I go from here? What do I do with what I'm dealing with? This anger that's inside of me, this frustration, this disappointment, whatever it is for you, this hurt, this betrayal. And I'm trying to make sense of all this stuff and sort this out, and I'm searching scriptures, and, and I'm spending and I'm spending time with God, and then the Holy Spirit speaks this one simple truth. And you might be able to disappoint because it's so simple, but it just goes like this. Love me more than you love those things. 
Love me more than you love the fear and the anxiety that you're so used to being close friends with. Love me more than all the the physical pursuits that will pass away, that will burn away. Love me more. Love me more than the people in your life so I can fill you with a new kind of love that will actually increase the amount of love that you have for those people. It was that simple. And so every day since then, when fear or anxiety or disappointment come up, I've just been praying and saying, God, I love you more than that. I love you more than that. I love you more than money. I I love you more than that stuff. I love you more. I love you more. And I'll be honest, I'm not always feeling it, (laughs) but I'm pressing on. Because what is the, the, the prayers of, of the righteous? God hears the prayers of the righteous. He's going to be faithful. I know he's going to be faithful in my life. And he's going to give me, he's going to recenter my love on him. He's going to recenter my love on him. And you know what it's going to do? That's going to bust down the walls in your life. It's going to bust down the walls in your life that you think because what is impossible for man is possible with God. We've got to remember that. That has got to sink deep into our hearts. Because there are so many of you here today that are doubting God. You're doubting life. You're doubting your future. You're doubting. You're doubting. And I get it. I doubt too. So God, give me more faith, God. Give me more faith. Open my eyes to see with a new reality. Amen? Awesome. Let's, oh, yeah. Okay, God. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> awesome. We're going we're gonna to pray together, okay? So let's just bow. Close our eyes. God, oh man, I made it. My voice made it. You're good. Praise you. Thank you. God, what a beautiful story. Zacchaeus. God, we know that Zacchaeus was looking for God. And, uh, God, I believe there's people here today that are looking for you. We thank you, God, that that you want to find us too. In fact, you're way more dedicated to finding us than I believe we'll ever be dedicated to finding you. We thank you for that. You guys, I, I know that there's a lot of disappointments. There's some frustrations. You're in a hard season of life. And you feel, for some of you, like you're up against the wall again. You're not sure where this is going to go. And guys, the truth is, there's only one way out. That's responding to the call of Jesus. Maybe this morning. It doesn't have to be limited to this. So what does that look like? Well, if that's you this morning, and I, just in your own words, just, just, just repeat this prayer. Father, this morning, I give you permission through your Holy Spirit to examine my life and my heart. There's some places that I've been holding back, reserving only for me. Today, I'm letting you in there. I'm scared, but I'm letting you in there. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm letting you in. This morning, Holy Spirit, I, I give you, I give you room to examine the things that I've been putting my hope in. And if they're not of you, then I give you space to show me, to convict me. God, I invite you to examine my heart. God, is there anything 
anyone that I'm loving more than you? Guys, it's not about giving up on relationships. It's just about alignment, prioritizing so God can do the best work possible. So don't worry, it's not about loving anyone less. God, is there anyone or anything that I I love more than you? And, And if you're already recognizing some things, just confess those things to him, right? It's part of the healing process. It's part of the transforming process. It's good. God's gentle. God, if there's any sin in my life, if there's selfishness in my life, if there's pride in my life, uh, if there's bitterness in my heart, hardness, I, I don't want it anymore. I just give it to you, God, because my, my soul is so tired, so dry. I don't want it anymore. God, it doesn't matter if you prayed that a thousand times. You just got to keep on. We got to keep on keeping on, guys. God, with me faithful. And God, maybe some of you have broken off your relationship or just never, never entered in a relationship with him and you just recognize some of the disparity in your own life and Maybe there's something in your heart that's, that's moving and there's maybe even a thought in your mind right now that maybe this could be true for me. Maybe this could be true for me too because you've doubted that your whole life. I would invite you to give God a chance. Just give him a chance. He doesn't need a lot of room. He just needs, he just need, even needs a moment right now with you. Just a prayer right now. God, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life, maybe for the first time, maybe for the the 10th time, maybe more. It's all right. He wants to be there. He wants to be in your life. So God, we thank you for everyone who prayed those prayers this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to see these prayers come to pass, to come to life. Give us faith where we doubt. Give Give us hope. Not in anything of this world, but just you. It's all we need. Just hope in one thing. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more information about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week.